Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When I was like 23, my sister told me that someone had called her 
uh, to inform her that I was delinquent on my bills. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. My guest today is David Milanis, and he and I are going to have this really incredible conversation about debt, finances, money, relationships. And in this conversation, I tried to really wrap my head around what it is that I believe that I needed when I started my journey of getting out of massive debt. As many of you know, at one point in my life, I was working for a corporate job, Fortune 10 company, making six figures, and I was massively and brutally in debt. 42,000, in fact. Um, and I would get it down, it would go up, get it down, go up, I'd get to zero, it'd go up to 15, get it down, go to five. And there was just like this crazy back and forth around debt. And what happened was I realized that there were some key elements to navigating debt that I didn't understand. And so I started to get literate in money. And one of the things that I did is I built a budget for my life. And that became step one. And then I started getting really serious about recognizing where I was wasting money and having basically what I'd call conviction to make sure that I did what I needed to do financially each month. And David is a finance and um, personal money coach. I wanted to have him on the show to have this conversation because I know that there are people out there struggling right now like I was. And I thought to myself, if I had this kind of information 15 years ago, my life would have been very different. And in fact, this information is still good for me. And just in it, I had me thinking like, what am I paying for right now that I don't need to be paying for in my life? And my immediate thought went to, um, you know, Netflix. I don't even use it. I don't know why I pay for it. So that said, this conversation is going to be really fascinating. And, and it's not a conversation of judgment. If you're in debt, please know I have been there. And you're probably thinking, well, what does that have to do with trauma? I think it has a lot to do with it. And, and this isn't so much about you know the mindset or personal development around trauma as the show normally is. But I wanted to bring someone on to have this conversation because I believe it serves a greater purpose. And, and that's helping you get an alignment with your future, your goals, and what you want. And so we're going to talk about debt, money, relationships, credit cards, budgets, the, the whole nine. It's a really phenomenal episode. Thank you so much for listening, my friends. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for all the screenshots and putting it on social. Thank you for sharing. And it means the world to me on Broken Nation. So without further ado, my friends, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal in company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book.thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com, where you can get a copy of my number one bestselling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself, and that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. 
Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with another episode with my guest, David Milanis, who is the host of the Something On My Mind personal finance podcast. David, my friend, what is happening in your world today? Uh, just happy to be alive. Just enjoying the, the, the everyday normalcy of life. It's not a bad thing, brother. It's not a bad thing. So for those of you who don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I have, yeah, I have a podcast and uh, it's on personal finance, something on my mind. And that's what I do as part of a secondary part of life. Um, as for me, I've been in the IT industry for a good 20, 30 years running uh, major corporate projects for like fortune 500, fortune 100 kind of organizations. Um, I'm a published author and a personal finance. 15 years ago, I wrote that book when I didn't know what I was doing or think I would ever be, be published, but I did. And so that actually launched me into a lot of different things. But I, I'm kind of a, a guy that, um, you know, at this stage of my life where I'm just doing a lot to give back to other people. I've done well. I've saved well. I've been through, you know, many things like other people, which I'm sure we can talk about. Not everybody has a smooth sail, but um, I'm just feeling really good these days about, um, just giving back to the world as much as I can. Yeah, that's beautiful. Where, where does that come from? You know, I think so many people, they have this ideation. They're like, yeah, I want to give back. I want to do something. And they kind of like never come through with it. What, what kind of sparked for you to want to be able to do this? Because as somebody who hosts a podcast, like, and writes and speaks and all the same things, you know, it's a tremendous amount of personal effort required to even get remotely noticed or even to have one person hear you. So where did that come from? And why do you do it? You know, that's an interesting question because I don't really know. I, I but I can tell you one piece is that it's just innate. That's, it's just who I am. I'm, I'm that guy who, who will open a door for an old lady. And still get the, oh, what a nice young man. It, it does still exist. Chivalry is still a thing. Um, I did see, though, as a child, my grandfather working very hard. Um, he uh, worked in the coal mines when he was 14 in Kentucky and never went to school. And um, he got out with my grandmother with one piece of furniture. It was it was a Duncan Fife a chest of drawers, which I still have uh, upstairs. And uh, they moved up to Michigan, and he got a job in a steel mill. And uh, he built everything with his hands, including the cottage and um, I just saw the value of working very hard and just uh, making things last, making things that have quality, getting the most of what you have, even if, you know, he rigged everything he could on top of building things. But that's what was instilled in me of, of really understanding purpose of things that you have in front of you. Like, what do you want to do with it? How much do you want to make out of that? Do you just, I'm that the mentality is I don't want to waste something. So maybe as an example is if you're going to go to work every day and most people are entrepreneurs. And the culture today is be an entrepreneur, but you don't have to be. The point is, whatever you do with your time during your given day, even outside of your work time, is you need to get the most out of that time because you've already committed to the fact that you're going to do it. So if you're lazy about it or do you want to put in a good effort, then that, that is on you. And if you don't like things, then go make changes. But as much as things are, you know, there's a lot of bad things in the world, um, you do have a lot of ability to make changes for yourself. And if you don't, at some point, you can't blame yourself. You got to uh, make sure that you um, put yourself in a position to make changes. Um, so you, again, I guess I should say it this way, that you don't start blaming yourself. You have a lot of opportunity. It's not easy. You got to work hard, but it's in there and, and most people can do it. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I think most people hear that and they're like, yeah, I heard that a million times. 
And mm-hmm. and it's true, but you know, I think the reason why so many of us say it so emphatically and so frequently with with so much constitution is because it's fucking true, man. Like I, I look at my life, it's so incredibly diffo- different than where I began. And in 37 years, it'll be so incredibly different than when it is right now. You know, I think one of the biggest struggles that people have, and, and I'm glad you pointed to this idea that not everyone has to be an entrepreneur, because I agree. And I think the entrepreneur aspect of society right now is super skewed because people mm-hmm. don't understand what it really, truly means to be an entrepreneur. Now, somebody who's been doing it for the vast majority of my life, I recognize and understand not only the commitment, right, but the the problem solving, the chaos, the pain of it all. And And I think people believe that, They'll be an entrepreneur, they'll strike gold, they'll be the next Elon Musk, and they'll be rich. And the truth is, like, if you can make $81,000 a year and be super happy, that to me feels like the biggest win. But people get stuck in it because financially, it's difficult, right? And they look at this, and I know this is your space, and I'm really excited to go deep into this conversation why don't we first talk a little bit more in depth about your background in finance and and what has kind of sparked you to want to have this kind of conversation? It's because it, it's to me, it's like the hidden hidden epidemic in this country. The next new projects, in my opinion, you know those those tall, siloed, ugly orange brick buildings in the in the parts of the cities like South Side of Chicago, for example, or and I live outside of Detroit. Um, they're going to be people with uh, social security checks that average twelve hundred dollars, and they have nowhere to put them. So that's the end result of a lot of people are um, today. And because people are living longer, it's only going to get worse. But before you even get there, there's no education in our schools. And so if you're not taught that, you're going to get bad habits more than likely um, from your uh, guardians or your parents and whoever your peers are. Um, About two-thirds of all people don't budget. And if they have one, they don't follow it. And 75% of all people live paycheck to paycheck. And about 75% of people, by the time they hit age 65, when you can get Medicare, which covers 80% of your cost for, um, you know, so like that pinnacle moment, um, they're still working. So they can't retire. So that's been a driving force for me over the last, I don't know how, probably all my life. But when I wrote a, a book uh, in 2005, that's probably really got me off to the point of, I think I can go and, and do more things to help people. And so anything, even if I, if I get one person, every time I put a, a piece of information out there to, to flip over, and I always say this thing, but if you get somebody to flip over out of the dark side, like Luke Skywalker and his dad, he doesn't go follow him. I always make that analogy. I rarely see where someone goes the other way. If you, but the point is people need time to get somebody to educate and help them, even though you can go to the internet and you can go to YouTube and you can go to all these places. Um, but you, it, it's only so much you can get out of looking at things. You need to actually get a mentor or talk to people with all those other pieces combined so that you can get some information and lay it down. Um, because it's just, it's, it's amazing how many, we grew up in a society that works this way, but we're a country built on debt. And if you look at the national debt clock, it's like 200 million every two minutes. It could change. That number fluctuates. That's, that's how much debt we pile. So there's no institution in this world could ever run in that way of debt and ever be actually an institution anymore or an entity. And so I believe since we're built that way, there's no need to go educate people because we're built on a system of capitalism, which allows people to borrow and pay back over time. So corporations can make their money. And I'm not against corporations. I'm not against business, but that's how we're designed. And so that's probably why it's not a foundational piece in the schools. Yeah. Well, that's exactly why. I mean, I think it goes without saying, you know, 
I've shared this on the show before in my early twenties, I was working for a fortune 10 company making well over six figures and massively in debt. Mm-hmm. Like I think at my worst, I was like 42 G's and we're just talking like credit card debt and stupid shit that nobody needs. Oh, I want to go through this step by step because I actually want to create some practicality for people. Okay. Because I recognize that one of the most freeing moments of my entire life was paying off all my debt. And then recognizing, learning, and understanding money, understanding good debt versus bad debt, you know, the whole nine. But most people are financially illiterate in this country because even in high schools, kids are not taught how to balance a checkbook anymore. And so you talked about budget. I think that's the best place to start. If I'm wrong, let's pivot. But let's talk about the importance of this. I was never taught a budget. Mm-hmm. The only thing I understood was, okay, wait for the government check, wait for WIC, wait for the food stamps, and then we will go and eat. And in between, our power got turned off, our electricity got turned off. People, I watched people suffer financially. And I always thought the solution for chaos was money, right? Turns out that's not actually true. But at the beginning, no one ever talked about budgets or bank accounts. My first bank account I had was with, with a, a Midwest bank. That's not, that's not the name of them, but they were in the Midwest. And I overdrafted on the first day that I got a bank account. <laughs> oh. $35 pack of gum. I'll never forget that. Talk to us about budgets. Just, I'm not even going to ask you a specific question. I just want you to go into it. With the budgets, it's, and there's some people who don't believe in them, but I am a firm understanding of that. And um, businesses run on budgets. That's how they're effective, right? Now, you have to treat yourself like a business, and that's kind of the point I'm making right there. Um, If you don't have money budgeted, then you don't know where it's going. You don't even know when you start, kind of like what you just said. You bought a pack of gum and paid a $35 overdraft fee because you didn't know that you didn't have enough money in there. Because if you're paying bills and like you move, we always say this, if you move out on your own, you have the ability to get the money to move out, but then you don't budget your money. Eventually you're paying for everything under the sun, for your car, your groceries, your utility, your gas, uh, could be student loans. Um, you, there's a myriad of things that start adding up that you don't even think about. And if you don't know that, eventually it's a guarantee. I won't say it's a guarantee that if you don't know where your money's going, eventually you will end up in the hole because you have no, you have no, um, you have no foundation. You have nothing to alarm system to tell you like you can't do this. And then that's only one piece of it. That's just making sure that you pay your bills. Then there's the point of well, there's emergency funds you need in case you can't work. There's rainy day funds in case like your a tree falls on your gutter. There's the the planning for your future because you have to rely on yourself for your own retirement. Those are other pieces that should be factored into a budget. But the base budget. I just, it, it, it just blows my mind that people go out and then they say, well, if I do run out of money, then I chuck it on a credit card or I get a home equity loan, um, which is known as a HELOC, or I, I refinance my home and I take cash out. So they start pulling from other places that basically um, allow them to keep going and just push it along. They just kick the can down the road and some people can get away with that. But eventually through time, you're either going to run into problems or you're going to be steeped in debt your entire life and won't get out. And you're paying so much in that credit card daily interest formula that they're just they're just losing out. And then there's the simple things that they do miss, like where they say, um, I can't even put to my 401k because I'm paying credit cards and you miss free money that your employer actually gives you. You just run into all these things. And the bottom line with it is, again, eventually you'll get burned. And when it comes down to it, you don't have options to do anything else. You're encapsulating yourself in a 
kind of a jail cell that you will never get out of. I'm I'm writing a note here as we're going through this, and I'm thinking to myself, if your foundation is to have never had a budget and you watched your family never have one, your friends don't have one, to your point, 75%, I would argue probably more people don't have a budget and you've recognized the importance of this. And I'm going to put this in context. I will work until the day I die. I'm not retiring. I've already decided, but that's how I choose to live my life as an entrepreneur and business owner. For people who are like, okay, I want to get to retirement. I want the house. I want to make sure I can take care of my kids and my family and my future. Knowing that like realistically 45% of people in this country are obese. You're probably going to get diabetes unless you start taking care of yourself. Health bills are going to pile up. Like I, I foresee the future around many things. Right. And so what I'm curious about is if somebody's at step one, you're like, they're hearing this. They're like, okay, cool, David, I'm following. What, what do I do though? Right. So we have this idea about a budget. Mm -hmm. What do I really do? So I'm hearing you, but where's the practicality in this? Where do I start? All right. All right so here, okay, great. So here comes the reality. So when I met my wife 10 years ago, um, she was destitute. She was bankrupt, but uh, she was abused mentally, physically, verbally. Um, she had $1,200 in the negative when I met her. And so um, she, uh, and, and put it this way, she worked at a financial firm, which is ironic, right? but she was beaten up. So she got it from other angles. Um, but I'm like, listen, we're together now. So we have to make changes. And she was cool with that. So this is what I do with everybody that I ever sit down with. And it's in my book. It never changes. You never need to change it. And you start off by going, give me your bank account statements. Let's go look at your activity right off the bat because it shows a great behavior pattern of what you're doing. And I would honestly, if you're especially if you're someone who doesn't have a great control over things, you should pr even print out a year of it. I mean, print it out. Don't look at it through the screen, print it out so you can see it and take a pen and start marking things up. And then if you want to go and make patterns and formulas and things in Excel and figure out what that is, that's great. But I, if, and then I say, get a highlighter, get something out. And I want you to start marking off all the areas where you're seeing patterns or what your spending is. And the first thing that people always do is the, the major epiphany is I cannot believe how much I'm spending on food. That's the number one thing in many households, the food, and that's not just groceries. That's dining out. That's uh, just hitting something like a seven 11, anything food related. You start looking at that and it's like the, the, the light bulb goes off. I cannot believe, I cannot believe how much I spent on that. I'll look how much I'm adding up in coffee. And then that's starts creating this snowball. Like, okay, now I understand this is a bad area. And you start looking at other things that you're paying for that you don't even know about. You're like, oh, I forgot about the subscription. I'm paying for this streaming service as an example, right? Or listen, look at now let's look at your credit cards. How much are you paying on your interest? And then you say, well, I'm, pay, I'm charging things for my normal life on my credit card. Then I'm paying interest for that. And then um, I'm getting in, stuck in that trap. But the whole point is to break down every single piece by category that you're putting money into. And then you can actually start solving problems. So you could say, well, maybe I'm paying 220 bucks for my internet and cable. Well, I could get that down to 150 if I streamed it, right? Uh, maybe I have a gym membership that I don't use. The point is you can look at all these things and there's, in my budget alone, I have a supplemental account, I call it. It's a second ba separate bank account that I keep a track of and I have like 50 different items there that I throw cash in every month for bills are gonna come up later or they're annual things like that. So I track them there. And then on the normal budget, I probably pay 60 different things a month. So there's a lot of items and that shows you the complexity of you, why you need to pay attention to things because you don't know. And the only way to know is look at your own pattern, but you have to 
take the onus of I've really screwed up and I have not done what I needed to do here. And now I've identified it. I wrote it down. And now I'm going to start putting these things in the categories and start off with a spreadsheet of some sort. Or if you want to use a, and I always even say a spreadsheet until you get to an app, if you want to go that route and make sure you force yourself to put it in. So you typed it in, you look at it, it cements in your brain, and then you can start on um, breaking things down and say, well, okay, now I need to make changes. And then from there, you go, okay, well, this is what I'm paying a month. What am I bringing in? And do I have a positive value there? And if you don't, you're really in trouble. And a lot of times people don't. Um, but there's always ways to pair that back and make adjustments. And that's, that's why the good thing is usually there's a way to get out if you're willing to do it. Yeah, there, there is. And, and I've seen many people in my life, self-included, be able to navigate and get out of debt. But I'll tell you right now, for those listening, one thing that I don't know that you really dove into, but from this side of the conversation, the thing that helped me and was most beneficial was being like, I am going to be so incredibly strict with myself. Because I realized when I was looking, it was because you're right. It's the little things add up. I was like $7 for lunch every single day and a coffee and gas and a gym and all the things. And then suddenly it starts to snowball. And to your point, if you make less money than your, than your output, it, then you have to figure out either A, how do you make more money? right? Which I think is a really mm -hmm. important conversation here. Or B, what do you need to eliminate? Probably both. Because at one point, I mean, even though I was making six figures, I had to go get another job. Think about that. So mm -hmm. I had to pay off that debt because I looked at it. It was like, it felt like I was being plagued by it and collectors were calling me. My car got repo. Like it was nuts right now. So much of that is learned behavior, David. And I know that there are people listening right now and they're like, cool guys, I get this, but like I got three kids and we've got bills and we're trying our hardest. What do you say to those people where debt is their only means of survival? Listen, listen, man, the bottom line is if you've, if you fucked up, you know, you're going to fuck up. So when I work with people, I'll tell them, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock you down. I'm not like a Dave Ramsey type. I'm like, you already know you did something wrong. So let's find a solution, but you're going to be part of that solution. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to help work with you to give you answers, but you identify the pieces that you want to do because that means you'll actually take ownership of it right off the bat. Like you have to do that. You can't force people to, to do those things that, that that's first and foremost. Then they feel that they're part of that solution and you'll get a better success criteria to do that. And so outside of that, but okay, well now we have all this down here. Let's, let's make a prediction here. How long is this going to take to get you just to the plus side of just making sure your bills are paid? And that could be two years. That could be three years. Like you have to make sacrifices that you're not willing to do. Um, let me say it this way, that you um, didn't want to do in the past. You're going to have to do them now if you care about yourself enough. And if you do, what happens is success breeds confidence. So they get one month, two months, three months, four months in, and they start saying, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And then usually you can kind of, you know, they're, they're biting on the hook a little bit and maybe you can keep the fish on the line. And then, once you get to that first pinnacle, then you can get into other things like I do need to save for emergency funds and rainy day funds is another example. Then I can start thinking about investing in my 401k or my Roth or whatever I want to do. Like you can build those things up, um, but they don't believe that it's possible. They are going to say that I have three kids. I get it. But my wife, for example, goes out and gives uh, 401k presentations to people uh, who make 12 to $17 an hour. Sometimes they work for big factories, Fortune 500 companies. And these people say that I can't find $25 a paycheck. And by the time she's done, she gets them to do it. Not because she cares that they do it for 
their business. It doesn't matter to her either way. There's no skin in the game. She wants to see them successful. And oftentimes they'll get them to put in that $25. But here's the deal. That's $100 a month. So at the end of the year, you could say, listen, you have $1,200 in your 401k that you didn't have before. You know how good you're going to feel? And then they see that happening, and that's where the growth begins. And so like it's, it's kind of like what you said. You were in like the worst position, and you, you told yourself, I'm not going to do this. I was strict with myself, so I'm sure you had to make giant sacrifices to get there. And now where you look at where you're sitting today. And, and the one thing that stuck in my mind is you're like, I remember my, my power being turned off, right? Now, today I had a guy coming in. I'm putting in a generator because I don't because I think the future is not great. I don't want the electrical grid get screwed up. I don't want my power off, so I'm paying for it. And I can lay down eight or 10 grand to go do that. So I put myself in a spot to do that where there was a point in my life I couldn't. And I feel awesome that I can go do that. And so it's all possible. You just have to say, Willie, to your kids, like, we're doing this thing. It's going to better your life. And it might not be great for a while. We're going to have to find other ways to have fun. I don't care if it's games, walks in the park. And if we read the same Dr. Seuss book, we're going to get there. But we're, but you're going to see changes and you have to trust me. And eventually, uh, you know, life's usually pretty long for people. I think they'll be okay in the long run. They'll be all right. Yeah. I, I think people often get caught up in the immediacy of it, right? Because it feels like, you know, you're pushing Atlas Stone and it feels like this insurmountable thing that's in front of you. And, and one of the things that you said that I think is really interesting uh, for me as well, there's been periods of times in my life where I could not do anything where it was like, I'm shopping at the cheapest grocery store. I'm eating ramen noodle. Like I'm, I'm literally, there's no gyms, no entertainment. This is before streaming. So I wasn't paying for any of that stuff, but it was like, my friends were like, Hey, do you want to go to a concert? Do you want to mm-hmm. go, let's go do this. I became the no guy in such a strict way that people like literally, this was a part of my healing journey also, but people just stopped asking me to do shit. Cause they were like, you're just going to say no. I was like, and I would go to the bars with my friends and I would drink soda water. And I would ask the bartender, I'd be like, are you going to charge me for the soda water, right? Out of the gun. And if they said, <laughs> yes, I'd be like, just give me regular water. Yeah. Right? Because it was that, it was that important to me to be strict with myself because it felt so painful to be in that level of debt. It felt so uncomfortable to every single day. Like I remember one time my sister called me, she goes, yo, my sister called me. She goes, yo, these debt collectors are looking for you. I'm like, how'd they even get her number? They got everybody's number. And so, you know, it was one of those things where the the pain of not doing it had become so cumbersome. It was like a dagger with me. I said, I have to create change. And, and you're right, that $1,200 at the end of the year is a huge difference between zero. And you just leave that money alone, pretend it's not there. Watch what happens in 25 years. It's really incredible. But David, I wrote down a question I want to ask you because you brought up something about having that conversation with your kids. How do you get into this conversation with a partner, right? Let's say you're in a relationship. There's debt between one of you. Let's say there's debt between both of you, knowing that 75%, if not more of people are in debt right now. How do you navigate that when you're the person you're like, let's go and do this. The other person maybe wants to sacrifice or doesn't just what does the flow of that look like for people who are like, I'm hearing this. I would love to be out of debt, but what do I do about my partner? Who's maybe not supportive or I don't know how to step into it. What does that look like? We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily 
Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. I, if you're going to bring some, if, first of all, you have to understand who your partner is. If they're open to hearing discussions, that's an easier way to start. But if they're not, then it's a great thing to go do your own research. Bring some information to the table to show that person so that way they can't sit there and say, you know, they can't blow off the conversation. They can't say you're full of crap or, you know, you're just saying that or they they can, you know, arguments are bad in themselves. So you don't want to go there. But if you have like true information, that really starts changing the narrative right off the bat. And you can say, hey, I went and looked at years of worth of our bank statements. I went and started putting a budget together. We're screwed. Look how much we're paying on credit card interest. You know, you can start doing the same things that I sat down with my wife 10 years ago and then bring it to the table to the other person. But also lay down of, listen, you know, we got married or we're a, car, a couple or a partnership or we want to have a future together. And, you know, I want to be able to go do things that we can't do now. Like we all always said we wanted to go to Hawaii. Well, how are we ever going to go there? Right. Um, we said that we want to go and get a boat one day. Well, we have no shot of getting a boat. Are you kidding me? Like, you're crazy. Like, so put things out there that they want, but they can't get. And you say, well, guess what? Maybe there's a way to get there. And so we need to make changes to figure some of these things out. So you have to have like a vision board in a way or some goals to obtain to make it realistic when you show them that your, your whole budget basically sucks. Um, but I, I always recommend that don't get into um, a no blame game to say, listen, these are the things that aren't going so well. And some of these things might be her or you or, or you know, it's man, woman, man, man, whatever. But um, don't get into the game of, you know, you're doing seven out of the 10 things wrong. It's more of this is what's identified. These are the things that we need to change. And then make sure that you, as the person leading the conversation, will say, listen, these are the things I'm not doing right. So you throw the olive branch out there. So you're not looking for malice or a forethought right that way. You're like, I'm just trying to find a solution because I want us to attain the goals that we've talked about. Do you, do you think that, so let me ask you this question. If the person's not receptive, mm -hmm. right? If they're not like, what do you do? Do you just kind of go about this and do it on your own? Like, what does that look like? I, I would try to get an agreement and if and you, you know, so maybe the first go around's not there and you keep bringing this up over and over again, then I, I hate to say this, but that person might not be the right person for you in time. And I know people are married and they have partners and all that kind of thing. But I think what people miss is they don't realize the importance of it. Like people uh, have friends and families and careers and religions important to some people. Those are big pillars in people's lives. Well, so is money. And, and, and if they don't want to make it that way, um, then maybe you say, listen, this, if it's that important to somebody, because that means that at that point, that person's already hampered the realize, and they can't do the things that they want to do together or individually. And eventually it's going to break that thing, the relationship down and say, listen, listen, this is a serious issue for me. And I can tell you that, um, if you look at statistics, it shows that when people share bank accounts and money together, their marriages are much more successful. And the number one cause of, uh, any breakup is on, is about money. It's not about infidelity. People think it's that. It's not. It's about money. So eventually, 
you'll get there um, if you're not taking care of yourself. So, you know, I listen, I don't want to tell anybody ever to break up or get divorced. But um, listen, it's it's very important. And if it, it's important enough to you where you're, you're being hampered from your future goals because she's not or he's not willing to participate. And you got to think about if, I'm, if I am with the right person. Yeah, that's a really strong point. And I, I'm in agreement with that. Because I think about you're at that point in a collision of values, right? And and money is the number one reason why people get divorced and break up. Why do you think that it is? And I've not looked at research on the positive side of this, but why do you think it is that when people do share their bank accounts and that information that they have more successful relationships? And this, this is something that always comes up too, especially we have some young people on our show and we talked to a certain demographic and I had a, uh, I was on a show with another female and she said she has a lot of friends who are in their twenties and they're getting married and they're like, she's like, well, and she coaches them like finance, uh, like with fitness and they talk about their marriages coming up and they're like, well, you know, we'll just get this house and we'll figure out the money later. Like they don't even know. So what happens is I, I, I do know people who are successful who don't share their money, but what happens is to me is you're not having unity. You're not having goals together. So how are you going to be able to uh, tackle the things in a, in a unique framework? It's very difficult. So for example, that would mean you have two sets of money that you have to track, which means then you're staying um, apart from each other. And then there could be the part of money issue. So if one person makes 40 and the other person makes 80, then who pays what bills? And then there's like, well, if we're going to put money away to uh, and for investments, it's like, well, do I, I can only put in so much you have to put in more because you make more. And so you start getting into all these things of where you're not communicating. And then like, how do you decide how much money that goes on the credit card or how much money we need to save for this trip you want to take? Like who take, it's so complicated that you just, you run into problems. And, and, and I always, I always get down to this point. Just imagine that you lived your whole life separately in terms of your money and you have the 80, 40 comparison. And then you get down to your retirement and let's just say these people are just flat out not going to work anymore. Well, then what happens is does the, Let's say the husband who makes 80 say to the woman who's 40, well, I made double the money than you. So when in retirement, I get double the money to go spend. But we're supposed to spend each our, our lives together. It just makes no sense to me. It's, I, it's again, if, if people want to do that, I think that's fine if they can work it out. But I think on the whole, that's not the path. Your job to be with a partner is to do things in unison. United fronts. That's the, that's the key to success with any partnership of any kind. Yeah. And, and I, I think from my own personal experience, I've faced fear in that, right? Growing up, needing to be independent, require on myself, trying to find a way to survive, doing things that were unbecoming just to make it through day to day, you know, having that conversation about that splitting of, of finances or the com combining of it has always felt like terrifying to me. And so I know that there are people listening right now, like, like I hear you and this makes sense to me, David, because I'm like, oh yeah unification goals, being able to move forward. But there's always been that like nagging thing with me particularly. I'm like, oh, if I'm not independent, then perhaps um, I'm not safe. And so that's even in my own personal life with, I have a coach who I've been working with and through on that. And I think to myself, it actually makes a lot of sense because a lot, one of the things people who come from traumatic backgrounds know is that they've got to find out a way to make it work for them. And then when other people come into the picture, there's levels of vulnerability and things of that nature we talk about on the show quite frequently. What, what I'm, one of the things I'm curious about, because I'll know that so many of the unbroken nation, they have, they have children. We live in the weirdest time financially ever. 
So mm-hmm. now we have Bitcoin and crypto and NFTs. We have money. We have crazy inflation and interest rates. We have cars are more expensive than they've probably ever been in history. People are are suffering. You know, the, the list goes on and on. The, the top 1% of people now have like almost 99.5% of all the money. Like it, it's it's getting to this place where I know people are scared. What what kind of conversation are you having with with kids about money right now? That's an interesting question. I, I think the first thing that, you know, we always bring up and we we have three kids in total, so they're great examples. And we help a lot of young people and we tell them, uh, first of all, we we make sure that they're involved, that when they have some money that they actually have to actually <laughs> they need to have their own budgets. They need to have um, some things that they pay for. That's the model that we've taken and tell their people is that um, we're, and we could give our kids everything and we don't. And, or now they're all out of college, but uh, we said there's certain things that you're going to pay for. You're not going to get a free ride. And so it, it's funny. My, uh, my daughter, she, um, with her friends, we, we bought, when we moved in together, we bought a, an old house. We downsized early because they were all going to be in school within three years. Uh, it's this old 1929 place and we love it. And it's not, it's 2000 square feet. And now we have a lower level of 500 and it's not giant, but it's fine. But the point is that's it, a nice house. And, um, I think, you know, there, she'll say the perception of what we are is that we have less money than like her friends do, but probably we have more money combined is two people than the, all her friends do in total, but they don't know the difference. And so with our kids, we taught them like, you can't just go out and spend things if you don't have it, obviously, but you also have to be able to know how to do things and, and take onus of the money that you have. So we said, listen, when you get some money, you're going to have to put some, you're going to have to put X amount of it aside, usually a lot of it when they're younger, because they don't need a lot of it. And then you're going to have to keep some over here to spend for whatever you want. And then when you're not in school, you're going to go work. And when you go work, then you're, now you start making money. And the, what starts happening immediately is when they start bringing in a, a little of dollars of income, then they stop asking for money right off the bat as much as they did. And then they can say, okay, well, if you made a little bit more, now you can start paying more on your data plan, or you can pay for your Spotify, or you can do these things. If you're going up to Panera to get something, either Chick-fil-A or whatever, you can pay for it. I'm not just giving you money every time. And they start taking this thought process of, all right, well, right off the bat, my parents aren't just handing it over to me. And yet they see an Audi in the driveway and it's like, well, walk, you know, that's what people get the perception of. Why do I have to pay for things? My parents can afford that kind of car. But I'll give you one great example. My daughter um, was taking a trip to Italy with all her um, friends in high school. And we said, you have to pay half. And she wasn't getting a job. And I said, here's your cutoff date. And she wasn't doing it. And I'm like, you're, you have one more day. And if you don't have a job, you're not going. And all your friends are, and you're going to, you're going to get such bad FOMO. And she found a job at Dunkin' Donuts on the last day. And then she worked her ass off 40 hours plus whatever she could to bring in everything she could for that trip. And then when she went on that trip, she was the only kid who actually paid for any of her trip. And and she actually got a lot of praise from her friends and the parents because she did that. And she learned that lesson from there on out of, listen, you know what? I can't get it handed to me. I need to go work for things. I need to appreciate my money. And so we ended up actually giving her more money than we promised her. So, But the point was she learned it, and they, she's never looked back. And so that's the approach we take. We'll wean them off because you know people have a lot more conveniences in life than when I grew up with the phones and the way things work and the operate, operations of convenience and technology. Um, but we're just not giving you the farm. We're not, we're not we're going to let you wean off that nipple, but make sure you respect your surroundings, and the money you have. I love that. And, and I don't have children, 
Um, I don't know that I will, but if I do, I can tell you for sure, like, I, I love that idea and that concept and especially not willing to bend, you know, and, and make your daughter get this job because like, there's something practical to that. And, and I think the, the thing that what I hear in that is it's called personal responsibility, right? And we, we live in a weird society where here was my thought, like, I want to go into this for a second. When, when I first got my first legal paycheck, let me be clear, I made a lot of money illegally as a kid. I had to. But when I first got my first legal paycheck, I saw this thing called taxes. And I was like, well, shit, they already took half my money, so I'm just going to go spend it all. And it became this like crazy free-for-all. And you know, even when you're a kid, you know, I mean, I made like $4 an hour back then to age myself. And now I look at it and I think to myself, all right, I can do anything that I want, but I can't do everything. So what requires me to be responsible? What requires me to take care of myself and show up? I mean, I've shared it on the show before. I'm, I'm the same guy who wouldn't spend $5 on a book, who spent an Ivy League education and personal development coaching last year with some of the greatest minds on planet Earth. And that only has come through the responsibility that I've taken around finances. As you're going through this, David, you're working with people. Is there a... I guess for lack of a better way to turn to, to phrase this, excuse me, outside of budgets, is there, is there like this one key marker you see that leads to success in the people that you work with around money? Yeah, then it's, that's an easy answer. They have to care. They have to give a shit. Mm. It's, 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 it can't be any simpler. If you don't care, then it, it it just won't happen. It's kind of like that old skit. They, it reminds me of this, um, this work with me here. But there was the jaywalking thing with Jay Leno, right? And they'd go ask and say, hey, um, what's, who is the second president of the United States? And they'd say, I don't know, Madison? And then, nope, that's not, eh. And then they go, well, who's got the number one song on the pop chart right now by blah, blah, blah? And they go, well, that's Taylor Swift. And so it's like that thing of you don't care. So you, there, the point is everybody cares about things in life that are important to them. And so if you, if it's that simple, you have to want to do it. You can't, you can only lead a horse to water. So when I, like when I'm sitting down with somebody, it's because they want to do it at that point. It, it, it's that simple because otherwise I'm not going to, I'm not going to work with them because there's no reason to, because they're not there. Um, if someone asks you a question or some advice, you provide it. But if they really want to get serious, then they got to be in the mode and they got to show up with their homework for the items that I provide. And, um, and I'm not gonna just, I'm not, and I'm not gonna slack on them. Like you're, you're gonna stick to what I do, but you, again, you're part of the decision, as I said earlier, but if you don't care like anything else, it's just, I, 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 I couldn't be any bigger on that. I'm a big, big fan of sticking through what you're going to do if you're going to commit and you owe it, not only to yourself, but the people around, around you that rely on you. Yeah. I, I love that. I mean, and literally that's the only way I was able to make it through that. That's it. And that's the only way I think you're ever to make it through anything. You must decide and you must commit. You must see it through. You must show up for yourself. As, as people are going through this, David, I, I want them to just understand, like, like I, I've been on this side of it. Your wife has been on this side of it. Like, we know what it's like to be in this situation where you're like, fuck, man, am I even going to make it to pay my rent? I've had cars repoed. I've been evicted. Like, I'm telling you, like, I, I'm not just having David on the show because I'm like, let's have this guy come fucking talk about money. It's because this is the shit I wish people would have taught me. 
Like mm-hmm. there is no question if someone would have sat down with me and be like, Hey man, you need to consider a budget. You need to consider like slowly trickling off the debt. You need to understand good debt versus bad debt. You need to change your mindset. You need to show up. I promise you, I wouldn't have been 42 grand in debt, making six figures, having to work two jobs. And, and even if that's not you and you're only making 17,000 a year and you're in school or whatever, like there's valuable information here because really it's about control. And when you look at the world and, and my background being in marketing, like you're being marketed to every single day, right? It's all here. And it's like, buy the next thing to feel important, but money will never fulfill you. It's just David, like, I don't, I don't think that there's any argument in this. And if there is, please interject. But I've, I've never had enough money in my life where I felt like I was fulfilled internally. Money is a resource. No, um, I, I've made this joke, but it's like this. Can money buy you happiness? And the answer is yes, but it doesn't solve all your problems. It can make your life a lot easier. So maybe uh, I have a health problem and I can afford to pay for that, but that doesn't make me happy. No, it makes me feel better. I can afford to pay for it. It's only utility with, without, with, without a doubt. I mean, um, man, it, it, it's crazy. It, 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 it just blows my mind sometimes that, to talk about this, it, but, but it's interesting. Here's some, this is what, if you get down to a point where you're going to retire or, or, or shift into something else and you go like a long way, like a normal person, like to your sixties or whatever, you need about 80% of your replacement income because your bill should be paid off. You don't want to go into those those parts of life with that um, brewing in your life. So that's like a rule you should follow. You should be putting away 10 to 15% of your income every month of your gross amount earnings um, to typically get where those things are while paying those things down when you get to that 80% mark. And some of the people who have, or the quiet millionaires, like the millionaire next door, like that book, that's a true thing. A lot of times those people are the ones who don't make a lot of money, but they were disciplined and it builds up over time. Because let me tell you this, it's very simple. You put $100 away a month at 10%, and I only say 10, usually they use about seven when you, know, when you wanted to just throw numbers into compound interest calculators, but 10 is fine because that's the amount that the S&P has gone up since 1926 annualized. Up or down, yes, you have those years, but that's that number. You take that 10% at 100 bucks, and over 50 years, you'll get a million dollars on the nose. That's just at $100 a month, and I understand when someone's young, they can't put that in their brain that it, if I was 20, that would be 70 when I get there. But $100 in rent, and if you really think about it, is not a lot of money. And I get some people's salaries are low, but in the context of things, that's not a lot of money. So if you could scrape $150 and $200 and $250 and things like that over time, that's how simple the formula is to even be a millionaire, a multimillionaire. If people just manage their money and scrape that money in other ways to once they're on the right side of their budgets, they can get to the other side. It's, it's not rocket. You could stick it in an S&P 500 ETF and let it sit there that mimics that five, S&P 500 and you can yourself can be a millionaire. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's and even if it's $10, I bet you mm-hmm. could get to 100000 right? Because Yeah, because money to people is relative. So if you're someone who has an $80,000 household income and the average right now is maybe 65, well, <clears throat> maybe you have 800 when you're done, let's say. Well, that's a lot relatively to what you make. So it, that relatively means a lot. That's why you you got to stay in the zone of who you are, which always, we always say the common phrase of living within your means. But yeah, it's true. Yeah. And, there, and there's something to this idea as well that I think 
where, you know, people will look at this and go, well, I can't do a thousand a month, so I might as well not do anything. But mm-hmm. to your point, that $25 a month, 75, a hundred, I mean, I guarantee if you go look at what you're spending right now, you can find the money will make massive dividends in your life because cost of living is going up. Expenses of, of everything is going up. Social security may not even be here when we get 65. I mean, it'd probably destroy the entire economic system of the fabric of this company country. It's unlikely, but it is a possibility. I don't know. It could happen and, and educate yourself, David, um, for everyone, if you could please let them know where they can find out more about you and what you do. Yeah. Uh, the show that we have is called something on my mind, personal finance, um, something on my mind.net is the website. As far as social media, you can go to somm.podcast and all the major platforms for that media. And then the podcast, of course, like anything else, you can find it anywhere. Um, we also, we, so we have a full length episode every week on some topic, of course. And then every week I put out a personal finance tip. It's about one or two minutes about just some nugget that you can turn around and just find another way to keep more money in your pocket. And usually it has an environmental twist on it too, so that you can actually get things with quality save money, but also help out the environment without really sacrificing anything that you were used to. Brilliant. Love it, David. And thank you so much for being here. My last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? That would be when you're in a spot where you feel that you are not in control, where previously, and even if you had some cracks, cool, it happens. Everybody has them no matter what. But you're not now you're in an unstable position where you think every decision that you can make is beyond your control or what you're going to do is not going to succeed. And then you feel like a failure and then everything around you is dark and it crumbles and you're nervous and you can't sit still and you can't sleep and you just feel like you're out of control. And it's uh, I think to some degree, people get there. It's everybody's relative. And some people have had a lot worse. Um, you know, my wife got hit by a car walking across the street three years ago. Like shit like that does happen. I I've seen things. I got cancer recently. Um, I could go on shit happens in life. So when you run into those spots to be unbroken, you got to go back to your cues of what you're good at doing. Like, what are the, what are the things that call me down and keep me in a spot to chill out for a minute and then write a couple things down that I can achieve and get back to, to, to center. Not right now. Pick off one or two things here and there that can get you to a spot. You're like, okay, I got these handled. I'm back to where I was. I can knock those out easily. Cool. Let's pick up the next piece and just pick up the next piece and take those Lego bricks and stack them up a little bit and start building that foundation. Or also saying, listen, maybe I can't build the foundation as high as I want anymore because I have limitations, but it's not going to knock me down. Life is still valuable, worth living, and I'm going to find the best way that I can live it based on the circumstances that I have. And the last point I'll make is that... um, Make sure that you control the things that you can control. There are things that you have um, ownership of, and if you can control those, then you handle the outside influences much better. Brilliantly said, my friend, and I love it. David, thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend, and until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see you. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review 
rate and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.